1: Before we get started this week with the show, folks, I want to remind you to check out etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash April's Sensations. That's right, April's Sensations. Pro wrestler, model, cosplayer, writer. April Hunter. You know, she has her own shop on Etsy. It's fantastic, and I can speak from experience. I mean, I've purchased some candles and soaps and what have you from her. Just really, really cool stuff, and with the holidays coming up for that special someone in your life, including yourself, this is a great time to pick up some of this handcrafted amazing made in the USA stuff. We're talking about April's Sensations. If you want to support a pro wrestler and somebody that is really cool small business owner you definitely want to check it out i'm going to give you that website again folks that is etsy so that's com forward slash shop forward slash aprils sensations and let me spell that out a p r i l s s c e n t s-a-t-i-o-n-s april sensations baby i'm telling you check it out let them know that duke sent you over there enjoy yourselves and now let's get on with the show That's right. Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy festivus. All that other good stuff and good stuff. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, the show about pro wrestling and everything else. As you can hear, I am excited. I am happy. It is Christmas Eve. And I got some good stuff for you this week. You better believe it, baby. Okay? I, I went through the archives and I pulled out a couple of my favorites conversations uh, from episodes past I've dug all the way back to episode 34 okay with Conrad Thompson now you know him as the as a pod father these days but Conrad was getting himself into a little bit of trouble back then and you're gonna hear all about it a little later on the show I also pulled up the infamous Manny Fernandez episode from uh, week 79. Oh, my goodness. I thought I was going to interview Tommy Rich, okay, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, wildfire Tommy Rich, but he passed the phone to Manny, and Manny ended up saying a bunch of crazy stuff that, to this day, a lot of you hit me up and say, man, that Manny Fernandez interview was, was my favorite. It was so crazy, so wild, some of the stuff he said, including telling Vince McMahon to go F himself, so which is just incredible. Uh, so you're going to hear all of that plus some fun banter from uh, the Boston Bad Boy and I. Uh, You'll hear why the Boston Bad Boy is not allowed on this show anymore, okay? Because the guy just steps out of line too much, disrespects my good friend Vincent Kennedy McMahon too much, okay? That's why he's banned from the show. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, I'm not going to confirm nor deny that he let me know if the Boston Bad Boy ever comes back on this show then he is going to somehow, some way, buy the show and then fire me, even though the show is named Duke Loves Wrestling. So I got to be careful here. I don't want to be on the wrong side of my good friend, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So Boston Bad Boy is out. But you'll hear some of the nonsense and shenanigans that led up to that for sure. Um, In fact, you know something? Let's just jump right in. We're going to start off with Conrad Thompson. Before we get to that, though, Shout out to my man, Charlie. Okay, Charlie, he has that business, Wicked Twists, where he makes fancy keychains and cool things like that. He, he, You know, he made me a keychain once that um, had the world, the big gold belt, so the World Heavyweight Championship, and it said Duke in the middle. It was awesome. So Wicked Twists. If you Google that, check that out. But my man, Charlie, it's his birthday. Happy birthday, Charlie. I don't know how you're a Christmas baby. That is incredible. That means you only get one set of gifts. I'm sorry, Charlie. Too bad for you. That's why I was born like two weeks ago. That way I can get two sets of gifts. Be jealous. That's right. And also shout out to my my friend, uh, Jen Mason. Okay, Jennifer Mason, who's just fantastic. I've known her since we were kids. You know, as Drake would say, that's my real friend. That's right. That's my real friend, Jennifer. Jen. Love you. Shout out. Happy birthday. Please stop cussing people out online. okay? if you do that, maybe I'll have John Cena send you a message saying happy birthday. You never know. That's right. So and everybody else, you know, happy birthday to you. I know Kim Artlip from Ignite Wrestling. She celebrated her birthday recently as well. Good stuff there. Uh, It's just hey, it's a joyous time of year, man. Joyous time of year. So once again, let me let me just jump right into this because this is a, a crazy interview with a very young and impressionable uh, and, and controversial at the time, Conrad Thompson. Check this out, and we'll be right back.
0: So, Conrad, you you deal with the the man, Ric Flair. You're his co-host, and you also co-host another show,
1: something to wrestle yeah.
0: with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, Bruce. That's there right. So I, I, you guys are going to talk, talk get into wrestling, and, and that's that's usually the, what happens with these interviews. But I have to get something out of the way, first and foremost, because this is my time to get a little payback oh for the nice God. gift I got to. Here we go. You're hanging out with Ric Flair, wheeling, dealing. And wh- what is it like? Is it like an old Beatles movie where you guys are running in fast motion and the women are just screaming and running behind you? Mm-hmm. Limousines, champagne. Is I, You have to let me in on this. I just need to know.
3: Uh, it's exactly what you would imagine. Uh, Ric Flair is not uh, a character. It is a real person now. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's it blended into one, so there's no separation of church and state. So to speak. <laughs> oh, awesome. And, uh, even at 67, he's still limousine riding and jet flying and everything else that you've heard.
1: Unbelievable. I, it, it, you know what's funny? All you got to do is watch the news, and you'll see Flair's ex, exploits, huh? Uh, oh yeah!
3: if you uh if you're familiar with a website called tmz they are surely familiar with mr flair
1: <laughs> now do they follow you around to listen because you got to get some of that residual going on there uh conrad is tmz parked outside of your house right now watching you
3: no i live on a private street behind some gates we don't uh we don't allow them in oh here.
1: yes <laughs> they they call we call that the conradison estate right there is that you
3: go. <laughs> hey. No, oh, the Conradison, there's no paparazzi here. You can kind of chill and do what you want to do.
1: Nice. So let, let's let's back up for a second. First and foremost, this is this is Conrad Thompson, folks, the co-host of Something to Wrestle With, Bruce Pritchard, and also the co-host of the Ric Flair Show with the man Ric Flair himself. But you also own a mortgage company, is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's my real-life gig. I own First Family Mortgage. Uh, we're based here in Huntsville, Alabama uh and we have uh you know the opportunity to help some people save some money and we'd be proud to help you save some money at one fmc.com but if you're more of a wrestling fan you can catch uh, the other two podcasts something to wrestle with bruce pritchard and the rick flair show anywhere you enjoy podcasts
1: wow Wow. now what is the difference between the two shows that conrad for for our listeners say what's the difference
3: well, you know, the Ric Flair Show is all about Ric Flair, and uh, he's the host, and I kind of just uh, keep us on uh, the right track and the right train of thought, and we have a, typically a guest every week. Every now and again, we'll dissect an old famous match of his, or just go to Twitter and uh, answer fan questions, but for the most part, we're actually sitting down and catching up with guys who he was up and down the road with over his 40-year career, uh, and we just talk about all things Ric Flair. We. I uh, have a little segment we call How to Be the Man, where he gives you life advice. Uh, we've got a and a where fans can ask questions using hashtag AskNach. We've got a voicemail of the week where fans can actually hear their own question in their own voice and their own likeness on the show. And we've got This Week in History, which is probably my favorite little segment on the show, uh, where we actually delve into a famous moment that happened in this week in Rick's career. And we're never at a loss there because he was in the game so long. Uh, but we open up the show just to give everybody Rick's kind of quick hit opinions on what's in the news for all things wrestling. And we call that the figure four top Stories. So it's a true formatted show, uh, but it's all about the nature boy. And uh, if you're into it, Rick dot com is where you can find it.
1: And what about the other show?
3: The other show has blown up way bigger than I ever imagined. Um, Bruce Richard portrayed a character in the late eighties on WWF television called brother love. I love you. There you go. And then he was behind <laughs> the scenes and kind of, uh, in Vince McMahon's inner circle for more than two decades. And he had a stint, uh, b- prior to that in Houston wrestling, working for Paul Bosch. Uh, and then post WWE, he did a lot with TNA for a handful of years. So, He's been in every facet of the business, behind the camera, on camera, and everywhere in between. He's been office. He's been talent. He's been everything. Uh, And we actually break down one particular uh, piece of business or moment in time or angle or show or whatever fans vote on. It's probably the most interactive podcast around of its type. We put up a poll over the weekend, let fans kind of vote on what they want to hear, and then whatever wins. We cover in very great detail uh, from start to finish every Friday, and those shows usually run a lot longer than a traditional podcast. They'll be two or three hours because we get into excruciating detail of all things WWF.
1: And you know what's interesting about uh, the something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard? I had my bodyguard sit down and, and, and try to listen to an episode with me, and, and one of the main things she said to me was, You really have to be into wrestling to to understand what they're talking about. And I said, you know something? That's a great point, but people love
3: it. Yeah, it's uh, it's very niche, uh, and we kind of joke about it all the time that, you know, we wouldn't imagine that it would be this over. You know, I'm a mortgage guy. I've never been in the business at all. I never will be. I'm not one of the boys. I don't have any experience in the business. Uh, And Brother Love, somehow the mortgage guy (laughs) and Brother Love are over in podcast land, but... It's because of our real life friendship and our love for the business, and it is very inside baseball, so to speak, compared to Rick's show, which is mostly just stories about traveling up and down the road and having a party.
0: That's right. Uh, so I'm I'm just curious because I'm sort of the outside baseball guy too, and uh, Duke is Duke is the, the professional beyond professionals in, in this in this sphere. How, how do you get connected with these guys? How do you get connected with Rick uh, initially, and then Brother Love? And uh, tell us about that. That's I find that kind of interesting.
3: Well, I met, um, I live in Huntsville, Alabama, and Rick had recently uh, relocated after his son passed away from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, down to uh, Atlanta, Georgia. He was dating a woman from there, and uh, she has small children, and so she was in a position where, because of a custody situation, she couldn't just leave. So he moved to Atlanta. Uh, I had a mutual friend. Uh, that I had become uh, friendly with and acquainted with, and he introduced us, and we hit it off. uh, We actually made an appearance and then hit it off ever since, traded numbers, uh, and just through that common friendship that we had. And we also knew other people. Uh, I had ran into uh, J.J. Dillon and Jim Cornette and made friends with those guys uh, through some of my friends in Tennessee. So one thing leads to another, and once you're friends with Rick, everybody knows Rick, and Mm -hmm. one of those people who know Rick is Bruce Pritchard. Uh, so I met Bruce, and Rick had, uh, quote-unquote, put me over really big to Bruce. So we actually wound up uh, communicating a little bit by email and text message and then phone. And then eventually uh, I talked him into doing a podcast, and he wanted nothing to do with it. But uh, <laughs> hearing some of his you know ability to tell a story and spin some yarn, I knew this would be something that fans would dig. So uh, with a lot of luck and a little bit of preparation, here we are.
0: Yeah, so is the podcast? Are you? Do you get Ric Flair in a bottle? You know, is it is it you pushing him to go to do the podcast, which sort of catapults this whole thing? I'm, you know, just because I, it's it's like lightning, right? It's like lightning in a bottle, and you know,
3: with, with, Rick wasn't necessarily waiting on me to push him. Rick had a couple of different offers uh, from you know the big players and sure. category, and they were approaching his agent about doing it. And he wasn't really sure how he got paid on it or how any of that worked. So in 2013, he kind of poo-pooed the idea. Uh, but they eventually twisted him or, twisted his arm and talked him into it, and uh, we got going. Nice. And uh, when it finally, you know, um, you know, started to kind of take off uh, as far as he was getting comfortable with it and having a good time with it, CBS Radio started to have some issues on their side and uh, they decided they maybe wanted to get out of the radio business completely, and that's who owned the first platform. Sure. So then that that thing kind went of went away. Um, we decided, hey, you know what, let's just make a run of it on our own, and that was me pushing Rick to say we can do the better job of this just on our own without trying to fit into someone else's format. Let me take a stab at formatting a show and laying it out and see what we can put together. And uh, that has proven to be successful. Rick's busier than ever, uh, even at 67 years old. So it is a little difficult to get him to be pinned down for a little bit long <laughs> enough to do it. But uh, he has a good time once we get going.
0: Yeah, maybe once eventually, like get him like a pair of Google glasses, and then just do a live feed just nice. 24 hours a day. Nice. And that make your your job a lot easier.
3: I think. <laughs> uh, I don't know that the world is ready. for
0: a live <laughs> you heard it here first though i
1: know we're, we're gonna put that out there now listen conrad you're a guy who has developed a reputation of not only being very prepared uh when you're doing your shows but you're also you ask some pretty tough questions you know how do people react when when you start throwing things out there the way that you do on your show
3: well, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't tiptoe around with Bruce because Bruce is my real life friend, and I know that it, it, when our our show first started, people assumed that we just hated each other. But <laughs> uh, we we may get a little hot each other, hot at each other when we're taping, but all fair. Bruce and I are, are, are very, very good friends, and because of that, he understands when I'm asking questions and I'm beating him up. You know, I'm doing it to make the show entertaining and to get a real answer, and it's what fans want to hear. He doesn't take it personally. Uh, When I'm on with one of Rick's friends, and it's a guest of Rick's, we would have talked before we went on the air about whether or not there was something they did or didn't want to talk about and assure them that, hey, if there's something you don't want us to ask about, we won't. Almost never do they have something that they don't want us to touch on unless it's something legal that they know that is pending and they don't want to jeopardize the case or whatever, which totally makes sense. Uh, But outside of that, no, I just try to be careful with the way I'm phrasing it. And I'll say things like, You know, the internet folklore would have you believe, and the rumors online are. So then it's not me saying, hey, you did this. Because I wasn't there. I don't know that he did or didn't. Uh, And I think the person who handled that the best was Eric Bischoff on our old Woo Nation show on Mm. Play.it. We actually had such a good time with his show that we split it up into two. We did more than three hours' worth of content with Eric. And Eric took it all very, very well in great stride. And uh, I just thought he did a phenomenal job handling that because I did have some kind of pointed questions, but I managed to phrase them in a way where it wasn't necessarily something he could be offended with me personally about.
1: Well, since you're, you're a guy that likes to ask pointed questions, we're, we're going to we're gonna twist this around for a second here. Who have you really pissed off with, with uh, some of the questions or even formats that you've had on your show? Uh, has anyone really gotten hot at you over anything?
3: Um, not necessarily. We have gotten a little bit of pushback on our Pritchard show in the last uh, couple of months. We didn't get the nicest messages from some folks at TNA, uh, and we didn't get the nicest uh, correspondence from the office of WWE recently about one of our episodes that maybe in hindsight we maybe uh, use a little poor judgment on by revealing too much. But that's really based on us not understanding the scale of our show all the way. And, you know, in one of the episodes, we quoted something that maybe we shouldn't have quoted, that not a lot of people have read, that we just assumed was out there, and a lot of people had already read it. Uh, Well, it turns out not that many people had read it. So when they heard it from us, they were hearing it for the very first time. Oh, no. And it it was very uh, bothersome and troublesome to several folks. And, Before you know it, uh, not in terms of pissing anybody off, we hurt some folks' feelings, and I regret that. And if I had that to do over again, uh, I would. But now I will approach things with the understanding that, you know, to use a wrestling analogy, if it happens in a National Guard armory somewhere in Indiana, maybe nobody really knows about it. If it happens on Monday Night Raw, everyone knows about it. And uh, our medium has quickly grown with that show to be a really, really... Widely listened to products, and it is a megaphone for these little tidbits of information. So maybe we should keep that in mind in the future. And I will.
0: Now that, that's an interesting point you make, and I come from a media background too, where you sort of have this sensitivity. But also, you say, well, it's been published. You know, we're talking about news. This is an item. Um, what do you think? You know, social media now take this. You know, can take a, take something and run with it, and potentially distort. To some extent, or maybe overblow a reaction, uh, you know. I'm I'm just curious how, how you how you guys have approached that uh, in dealing with sort of uh, more delicate issues, uh, so to speak.
3: Well, I uh, I'm I'm not a broadcast professional. I'm a mortgage guy. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're learning
0: quick, though. I mean, this is a sharp learning curve for you.
3: Yeah, and so I, I feel like I've been maybe unfairly judged on some of this stuff where in hindsight, yeah, maybe I displayed some poor judgment uh, but it wasn't for lack of being inconsiderate or whatever, it was just I just assumed this stuff's out there I didn't realize that that was Maybe not always the case,
0: well you know? yeah I, I guess you have to go on an assumption that if something is in a newspaper, if it's on television, be it local or national, or if it's published in a book it's it's been it's sort of committed to the ether it's out there, right so I, you know it's, yeah. it, it might be a little unfair to judge people based uh one hundred percent on well i didn't I didn't get that I didn't see that yet. And now I can't believe you talked about that. That's a little bit uh, – and that's why I say about the social media, it's almost like that little thing can now be the center focus rather than what you were actually talking about or any point you were trying to actually make.
3: No, I've experienced that a dozen times. Our, 20 minutes ago I had it, and it was in reference to a TNA episode. Oh, no. Uh, where, where someone referenced something that uh, – we had, there was a rumor that we shot down specifically and said, no, that didn't happen. That's just internet BS, rumor, and innuendo, as we like to say on the show. But then it's repeated as, well, Conrad and Bruce said, no, we didn't. We didn't confirm that. Now we did address the rumors, and that's my thing on the show. I'm not going to shy away from a rumor, and if that makes me a bad guy, then, you know, oh well. But the name of the show is something to wrestle with. That's the format. It's point it's point and counterpoint, and our big thing on the show is is correcting those rumors and innuendo that so many people have just started to take and, and, and accept as fact when really they're not. And so when something out there we know is misinformation, no matter how salacious, if we can correct it, we want to. And in this particular item, it's, it's, we're instead taken to task about, well, you said so-and-so on a casting couch. No, we shot that rumor down. Wow. And it wasn't true. And, and
1: and you really shot that rumor down. Just for, for the record there, you guys absolutely, Bruce, 100% said I, I was never – privy to that heard rumors but as far as i know it's not true
3: so i don't know how we could be taken to task there but i guess that we're supposed to instead just not mention it well that makes our show fake and it makes it homogenized and 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 purified like everything else and i'm not going to do that i'm going to do we're going to talk about what really happened and we're also going to talk about what really didn't happen and there's not going to be parts of the story we just leave out because you know we don't want to get anyone in trouble or we want to, you know, not exchange pleasantries. We're not burying anyone. Uh, now, Bruce has, let's be clear about <laughs> that. He's like a big fan of Jerry Jarrett and mm. maybe Terry Taylor and a few others. But I'm never. I'm not in the business. I don't know these people. I'm not going to bury them. I may say, hey, they, they showed poor judgment here. Can you believe that she did this or she wrote this or whatever? But that would be something that I had firsthand knowledge of. But the rumor and innuendo, I'm never going to say, well, here's what happened because I read it. That's just silly.
1: Well, now, Conrad, tell us the truth there. Does Bruce and and Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, do they really have any kind of heat between each other, or is this just a a gimmick going on
3: there? 100% shoot. Uh, They have gotten along at different points. Uh, Bruce does does take great issue with people who weren't there and weren't in the business reporting things as facts that he knows is not a fact. And whenever he, you know, thinks about it or gets wound up about it, he gets pretty fired up. And Meltzer defends what he has heard as absolute fact. And neither one of them are, are ever, in my opinion, one hundred percent right. You know, there's <laughs> that old thing where, you know, the uh, the there's my version and there's your version and the truth is somewhere in the middle. And I think that's the case on most of this stuff. But what they wind up disagreeing about is usually silly stuff that doesn't matter. Like. What was the paid attendance of the Royal Rumble? I know. <laughs> What's so
1: ridiculous?
3: Doesn't
0: matter. Yeah, so ridiculous. What I find amazing, though, is just to sort of finish up this topic. I think before we beat a dead horse, truly, um, you know, people who are working in this industry—a very vast industry—with a lot of people watching and a lot of people commenting on, and even even years ago when it wasn't quite as as big and as scrutinized. If you're committing indiscretions and and now 15, 17, 18 people know about it, or you're just, you know, you're living your life sort of in a, your private life in a public kind of way, and then now you're upset because people are still talking about it, it, it I don't know, it's on record, I, you know, it, it happens, so I feel like... You know, like you said, you're reporting it as news, you're talking about it, you're not talking about rumor, you're you're sort of uh, analyzing what has happened in relation to maybe what's going on now or however you guys put it together. And I think that, you know, this whole thing of things spinning out of control is is a bit silly. Yeah.
1: And you know what else is silly? Hold on. I'm Conrad, I gotta I gotta pick a bone with you on something here, pal. And we're gonna get real serious for a second. I heard you say publicly that people that you talk to Okay? When you ask them why they don't like Roman Reigns, they can't give you an answer. Now, now look. This is the Duke talking here. Come on. Okay? Everybody knows that Roman Reigns is a punk. He's no good. Here we go. He needs to get rid of the contract, get out of this business, and get out of my life. So I want to know from you, Conrad, why did you, you create this rumor that... That people don't know why they don't like Roman Reigns. What's
0: what's going on with that, pal?
3: Uh, you have not said one reason why you don't like him.
0: Well, oh, I'm getting to that. <laughs> welcome welcome to my life every week. Yeah. I just got to listen to him no, pontificate no, 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 no. about nonsense. Let me tell you why I don't like Roman Reigns. First of all, the, the
1: guy, Joe, I know he's a nice guy, and, and he comes from a great family and all that stuff. So, hey, this is all within the context of the character. So everyone out there, Roman Reigns, please don't beat me up. I, I don't want any problems with me i can run faster than you anyway but besides the point but seriously here here you have a guy big handsome guy muscles the whole nine yards right they should have this guy destroy everybody and not give a damn about it i mean just be the most dastardly ridiculous heel that you've ever seen if you allow the guy to be that it wouldn't take long for the fans to just cheer him on because hey guess what This guy is is the man. He can beat up everybody. He can do whatever he wants, and he can look good doing it. We can't help but cheer for the guy. But instead, they want to shove him down our throats as a baby face, and that's why it just doesn't make sense. So that's why I don't like Roman Reigns the character, because it has more to do with the way the company is pushing him. Let him be who he is. He's an arrogant jerk. Let him be that, and let him beat up everybody, take your girlfriend, go home with her, and say, hey, yeah, I did that. And you know something? Just like how it happened with Ric Flair. we we'll end up cheering him in the end anyway. There you go.
3: Well, I, I'm not, you know, fundamentally, and this is maybe where we'll agree to disagree, I think wrestling is for kids. And it's always been that way. And if it wasn't that way, they wouldn't sell them on so many lunch boxes and toy-sized stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I, I understand that they, they, they respond to a guy like Roman Reigns because he's wearing kind of you know, G.I. Joe type gear and he is a big dude and he does have cool tattoos and he does do a lot of power moves and yada, yada, yada. So I'm okay with it from all that standpoint, but I feel like guys or fans, our age, mine and your age, kind of get into booing John Cena and Roman Reigns because it's the cool thing to do. And we're not necessarily booing them as performers. We're booing the creative, or we're booing a booking decision, and I don't think that's fair to the guys individually. Uh, I think you can appreciate someone's performance, even though you don't necessarily um, you know, really like the way they're being booked, because it's not his call whether he wins or loses. And despite what everyone on the Internet says, and I say, oh, his promos suck, he didn't write them. He doesn't have the freedom to go say what he wants to say. He's given a sheet of paper, and he's given three hours to memorize it. Now go do it. So that's the life that he's got, and he's a hardworking dude like everybody else, and he couldn't be cooler in real life. And only in the more recent months have we seen the real personality of the Usos come through. Oh, Oh, yeah. And I knew that that existed when I met them years ago with Rick and just hanging out. Those guys are just dripping charisma as natural heels and just young, brash, abrasive dudes. They just drip charisma, and I think Roman Reigns could be in the same position. However, I'm not going to boo him in the meantime when I know he's working hard, he's doing his best, and more importantly, he's doing what's asked of him. I'm not going to boo the creative for that.
1: Well, you know, I appreciate you being a nice guy not booing the creative or, or him for that. I will boo double just so we can cover you and cover me because I'm telling you right now, at least somebody's giving him a reaction, which – you know the worst thing you can do to any performer is not give a damn. Period. But this guy's got it. He's got to start being a jerk and beating people up and all that. We we saw little shades of it with his feud with Rusev, where he literally beats up the guy in front of his wife and and makes fun of him every week and all that stuff. That's not babyface stuff, but yet they still try to present it as if he's a babyface doing these things.
3: Well, but at the same time, you know, Stone Cold did all that, too. So sure. I don't understand uh. the difference. You know, Stone Cold's flipping everybody off and giving stunners to the commissioner and the owner and pouring beer on them. And, and Donald you know, Trump. But you know, <laughs> people cheer it. And, 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 and so I just think the business is a little different now, and I can appreciate the guy's hard work and, and know that this isn't the end for Roman Reigns, what he's doing right now is not going to be the way his career is from now on. This is a moment in time, and we'll talk about this era. I mean, you look at how many different eras we've had of the major characters in wrestling, whether it was Shawn Michaels or The Undertaker or Mick Foley. We'll always have these different eras, and I think this is just one era of the many of Roman Reigns. And and there'll be an opportunity for him to be a heel, but that decision will be made based on dollars and cents. And as long as he's selling merchandise and as long as he's selling T-shirts in a big way... That change is not coming anytime soon.
1: Speaking of change, let's let's put the fantasy booker cap on for a second. Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe, if you're the booker, what do you do with these guys right now?
3: Well, I think you have a challenge with Shinsuke because he doesn't speak English, and I know I'm going to get heat for folks for saying that, but the reality is it's hard to point to somebody who's been super over in the modern era who didn't speak English. And sure, they had runs, and guys will say, oh, well, the great Muda, what did he really do? I mean, if we really look at what the great Muda did in in WCW, and I was a big fan, too. I mean, he was there at a time when they're drawing 4,000 people for a pay-per-view, and that's considered a good house. I mean, they were running pay-per-views for 2,000 people when he's there. Uh, So he's not some monster draw. Even though he does have natural charisma and he has a cool look and he has cool moves, I think there is still... Uh, you know, maybe you call it the Rust Belt or the Bible Belt or whatever area, the, you know, the Midwest, wherever you want to say, uh, there's a section of America that needs to hear from you. And there, there's even an expression in the business, talk him into the seats. I just don't see that with him unless they pair him with a badass manager. Now, paired with someone like a Paul Heyman, I think it could work wonderfully. Uh, there's probably a half a dozen guys who could be his mouthpiece and do a phenomenal job for him, and I know he speaks English, and I know he didn't need it anywhere else, and he doesn't need it in NXT, but nobody's watching NXT. That's just the reality. The, that, that show's running at a loss. If you're going to be a big you know, money player, you've got to have someone get people emotionally invested, and they're not going to do that because you have cool music, a cool jacket, and cool moves. That's just not going to happen.
1: So what about Samoa Joe?
3: I think Samoa Joe got a bum rap on the whole Tyson Kidd injury. Tyson Kidd is a big listener to the show, and and, and I would consider him a big supporter of ours, and I hope that something miraculous happens and he's able to return. But I think Samoa Joe would have already been on the main roster had it not been for that injury. I think there may, whether it's right or not right or fair or not fair, I think there might still be some questions uh, about him because of that and obviously it was an accident. I don't think anybody would ever intentionally want anyone else to be injured, at least in that business. So I I, I think that that's maybe what stalled him in NXT, but I do think he'll get an opportunity. I don't think there is any sort of uh, fat-shaming sort of Vince McMahon persona (laughs) that we've heard in the past based on the success that we've seen with guys in more recent years, whether it's a Bray Wyatt, who's a thicker guy, or half a dozen others who have done well, who previously you would have thought, oh, he's got no shot there. So I think Samoa Joe could still be a player there. I just think he's got to navigate through that process with the Tyson Kidd injury a little bit.
1: Speaking of players, are we seeing the the best feud in wrestling right now with Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair?
3: I, I don't know how you could argue that it's not the best female. Uh, it certainly is in, in history. Um, I don't know that it's the best... Um, feud overall ever, or or currently, but it's certainly uh, the best female one in history, and I don't think it's even debatable. I think it'll be, you know, when people look back and they talk about uh, Flair uh, Steamboat, or they talk about Macho Man Steamboat, or they, they talk about a handful of those matches that people really, really remember. I think in the years to come, maybe a generation from now, people will talk about Uh, Charlotte and Sasha in a flare steamboat type of way because it was the first time you saw women really get an opportunity to do all this stuff.
1: Mm, Agreed. Agreed. And and if if you could suggest any match, if somebody wants to know what when Conrad Thompson thinks about pro wrestling, what's the one match that he can send you to to be representative of? Yeah, this is the, the the sport that I love and this is why I love it so much. What's the one match?
3: Man, it's hard to narrow it down to one. There's so many good ones, but uh, one that comes to mind that I think is uh, underrated because it happened at a downtime in the business is WrestleMania 13 with Bret Hart and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think their I Quit match was done perfectly. I think it's the best double turn in the history of wrestling. You had some interesting stuff there because there's brawling in the crowd. There is some technical wrestling. Uh, They do use some weapons. There is some blood. Uh, Ken Shamrock's the referee, but the double turn and what it represented to take a heel like Stone Cold and make him babyface and to take this stalwart babyface and, and Bret Hart and make him a heel and do it so masterfully inside of one match, uh, I think it's something that really stands the test of time, uh, even 20 years later, and I would recommend everybody watch it if they haven't.
1: Wow, that's a wow. that's a great one. Now, recently, you, you encouraged Ric Flair to watch his match with Big Van Vader. And he responded that he had not seen that match literally since he was in it. Uh, yeah, how, how did you respond to that?
3: Well, you know, a few years ago when he was uh, here at the Conradison, uh, I asked if we could watch one of his old matches with Steamboat. And he, he joked that he had never seen them. So he never saw his 89 string of matches that everybody still talks about, you know, the match in Nashville, the match in Chicago, the match in New Orleans. He never saw those. He was. He said, why would I watch it? I was there. I said, well, it might be cool. Let's just watch. So we watched one, and he said, hey, let's watch the next one. I used to be pretty damn good. <laughs> and so just to, to watch the match with him and be able to kind of get his commentary on what he was thinking and what was going on and who was where and why, it was very fascinating to me, and Uh, I I would love to watch that match with him and Vader from Starcade 93 because I think the overall story from that show, Mm. not just the match, but the skits that led up to it that are still on that pay-per-view if you go watch it on the network, where Mean Gene goes to his house, he says goodbye to his family. I mean, it's almost as if, you know, he's headed off to slaughter. You know, he's being thrown to the lion's den, and he's kissing his family goodbye. I mean, this is a big uh, emotional deal, and they really did a great job. Presenting it as a phenomenal story where even if you're not really a wrestling fan so to speak you could get behind that story
0: That's yeah. great
1: very emotional too. That's a that's a great call out there
0: I love how uh, Rick is sort of like the uh, Paul Newman of of wrestling He, he doesn't watch his own matches. Oh. I've never seen him never <laughs> yeah. seen him. I was there. I was there <laughs> I don't need to know about it. Uh. So we uh, Conrad, we do this little kind of bit uh, in the show just for our own amusement the Ric Flair story of the week we don't even have any kind of funny music to go with it or anything and I was thinking who better to maybe uh, instead of doing our own bit this week can you give us something I know you got to keep the best gold for your own show I know you got to do that but can you give us a little something a little Ric Flair story that we can all you know maybe pine about having the Ric Flair lifestyle and we can live vicariously through Mm -hmm. you and him for just a few moments
3: well um Well, here's a random one. We were at a hotel. He had done a Waiting for Wishes charity a few years ago in Nashville for Kevin Carter. Uh, It was at the Palm Restaurant at the corner of Broadway and Fifth, directly across from the Bridgestone Arena. And it's attached, well, almost attached to the Hilton Hotel. So uh, he's up there doing that. I have an office in Nashville, so I just camped out. I did a little Waiting for Wishes deal. We did some drinks, yada, yada. The next day, we're hanging out in the lobby getting ready to head our separate ways. And um, he's hopping a plane to go somewhere. I'm just going to drive back down to Huntsville. And as we're waiting, a black SUV pulls up, and the window rolls down, and a guy starts yelling. And so we just assume they're not talking to us. And so then eventually the guy says, Rick Flair, are you too good to talk to me? And he looks, and Rick looks back at me and looks back at the car and then looks back at me and says, is that Little Richard? <laughs> to my surprise, it is. Little Richard wanted to say hello to Ric Flair and asked Ric Flair for a picture and an autograph and gave him uh, a little pamphlet. And uh, they had a little moment together, and it was one of the most surreal <laughs> things ever. Walking to walk uh-huh. downtown Nashville, Hilton, with the nature boy, Ric Flair, and Little Richard Oh asked my God! To Flair, what, what are the odds of that? Only... In Ric Flair's life, does that happen?
0: Well, yeah, that he got flagged down. It wasn't like they bumped into each other walking yeah. through the lobby. Yeah. A car pulled over. He had to tell his driver, "Stop, stop, stop! That's Ric Flair. I got to yell at him." <laughs> yeah, that's real. And,
1: and that's the type of respect that the Nature Boy commands all over the world. My goodness, listen, Conrad. If if fans want to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way that they can reach out to you online and what have you there?
3: I have to be the most interactive uh, wrestling podcast host on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at hey, hey, it's Conrad. Uh You can certainly check out my mortgage company at 1FMC.com. Uh, but the shows are on MLWRadio.com, and they're com or something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard. You can catch them on TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Man, anywhere you enjoy your podcast, SoundCloud, whatever, they're all there. Rick Flair show, something to wrestle with. Uh, If you're a wrestling fan, there's something for everybody. And uh, I would appreciate if you would go ahead and hit the subscribe button on both of those. Okay, folks, you got Susan Tex Green here, one of the the only women to beat the Fabulous Moolah. Uh, Look in the record books, you'll see me. I love wrestling with the Duke. Look forward to seeing all y'all and be with La Alamo.
1: So, as you heard there, uh, it was an interesting time, right? Interesting time back then. That was 2016. Goodness gracious, almost five years ago, we had that conversation with Conrad Thompson. So, he, he recovered from some of that controversy and he's moved on to great heights there. Good guy. Appreciate him. Shout out Conrad and the family there. And, you know, he married into the Flair family, which I'm still pissed at Conrad over that, but that's another story. How dare you! I should have been the one to find a way. You could at least have one of them adopt me, Conrad, okay? But we won't even get into that. Okay, moving on. One of the things that um, we used to do, especially as, as the show began, was something called Run the Ropes, where I'd go over the top stories in the world of professional wrestling. And uh, there was a bell and all kinds of crazy stuff that people ended up getting annoyed with. But for nostalgia purposes, I'm going to play a little clip from Run the Ropes And then we're going to get into the craziest interview I've ever done with the raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, including some analysis afterwards as well. So check this out.
0: Uh, You opened the show talking about The Rock. Yes. And The Rock comes from a famous wrestling family. Sure. His grandfather, was it? Or father? Yeah. Well, his
1: grandfather and his father. And his father. And there's Samoan. Yes. Well, his father is actually uh, a Canadian black man. But okay. his grandfather has a well, Samoan heritage Samoan. But, yes, but, yes.
0: And, and the Samoans are <clears throat> big in wrestling i mean absolutely, that's a that's yeah. a contingent family for a absolutely. long long time yep so in our current world that we're living in uh the United States ambassador to Samoa put his foot in his mouth oh, because boy. he's a dope and that and what i'm worried about is i don't want to ruin the ties that we have with wrestling with the wonderful country and the people of Samoa well, that's very and important. i don't want to embarrass I'm embarrassed as an American. A that we sent the dolt Scott Brown, who used to be United, who used to be a Massachusetts state senator. I'm sorry, he was a, I was that you know he's not a state senator. He was one of the senators, U.S. Yeah, U.S. US senator sure. the, from the state of Massachusetts. Sure, he tried to carpet bag his way into New Hampshire. That didn't work. Hey, hey, hey. Then he disappeared to do something else. He became a Trump supporter. And so what did Trump do? Shipped him off to the South Seas. That's right. Get away from me. That's what he said to I Listen, <laughs> Listen. even if if Trump can't stand if Trump sends you to the South Pacific, that's how bad of a person you are. Full
1: disclosure. I have spent time with Scott Brown. I'm sorry to hear it. He has always been nothing but cordial and respectful. His lovely wife Gail, she gives me a hug. Very nice lady as well. She was
0: a uh, a broadcaster here. She Very sure well was. She sure
1: was. So, you know, nice people. I got to be honest though. Scotty I don't know about the folks you're hanging out with lately. You got you saying this crazy is I, things listen, out there. Listen,
0: you can tell me Scott Brown's a nice guy. I tell you whatever, this all the time. Whatever. The <laughs> point is, you are judged by the friends you keep. Sure. And this guy, yeah. would blow in the. he would sell his own mother down the river if it got him elected to some office you where he could say right he had something I like he was doing. I like Scott. I can't believe you do. So anyway, what happened was he's at a state dinner yeah. in Samoa. He's the United States ambassador Scottie, to Samoa. Okay, Scotty. He's at a state dinner and he sent, and I'm trying to, I don't know if there's an actual quote, but there are complaints came out that he said to some of the, I believe, wait staff at this event that they should, uh, oh, here we go, uh, that they looked really beautiful and that they should trade on their looks, basically, is what he was trying to say. Hmm. That they're, they're too good looking. To do what they're doing, whatever. To have a real job. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so this was at a Peace Corps dinner. By the way, let's add let's add another layer in this. They're at a dinner to promote the Peace Corps, which is one of the good few good things left in the world, and this dope wanders in there. Stop it. And it makes a fool not only of himself once again, Stop. but now of me and of you, because he's representing he the United States. He's giving
1: expert advice because
0: he expert put... Expert advice? Listen. He'd have to be an expert on something other than trying to win elections, and he's only moderately successful no, at that. he put
1: himself through college using his looks. He took the pictures. Remember the pictures? All right, He, he was, was a, a model. playgirl. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. He was a play playgirl. playgirl. Okay. okay. Well,
0: so what that makes guy. him... All right. So but here's the thing. Do you wander into your local coffee shop and tell the barista, "Hey, you know, you're hey, good-looking, toots. Uh, you should get the hell out of here. You're well, too pretty to be here." No. Uh, ha- have, have I just want not my but coffee. A- Here's my thing. <laughs> Where I believe that Samoa, I'm pretty sure, has uh, the internet and television, like every like the rest of the world. Sure. Uh, has Scott Brown not been paying attention to what's going on in the world, what women have been struggling with lately, and all the talk that's going on about things that you're not supposed to do to other people because it's cruel and it's wrong? And this is a United States se- uh, ambassador? It's disgusting. And he should be put... those fine people of Samoa, they're a seafaring folk, you know, South Pacific. They should get the worst canoe they have no. and push him out to sea. Stop it right And now. just let him go. I like Because Scott. you know what? I would be totally behind that and I could get a petition started and I just might do it. Listen, Scotty, you need to hang out with the Duke more and, and I'll keep to, you out we, of that do stuff. Do not address him for I, my show. Oh, I, I like Scotty. No, oh, please. Scotty.
1: Cut the crap, all right? Seriously. Cut the crap.
0: Cut the crap crap and go away. (laughs) Just go away. Leave him alone. Run the ropes.
1: You spend too much time giving people a hard time on this show. You need to be nicer.
0: Hard time. First of all, it's a public person. Stop saying stupid crap. Because uh, now, the Can I just say, this is just not me raging. There's an actual formal investigation oh yeah by the inspector oh, general's office. he's probably going
1: to lose that amb- ambassadorship. Yeah. There's and no And here's way the to thing,
0: what else has he got going on? Well,
1: he's he scar- started having
0: all these lose- losses. His daughter is a famous singer, leave him famous? alone. Let's famous? Let's not get famous. Right. Hey, 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 let's not leave. go You leave Ayla Brown long, I don't right? know. I like it I mean, listen, she was, she was trading on her looks and it didn't uh, go too far for her. So, you know, he should stop giving out horrible advice to other people because Whoa. he should get his own
1: house in order. Scotty, cut the crap. Scott Brown. All right, let's move. Let's get back to wrestling here. Jesus. I was. Speaking, I was talking about the fine people of Samoa. Well, speaking of Samoa, Nia Jax yes. teases a return. Oh, boy. You know, we talked about it last week, folks, how uh, Nia Jax took a leave of absence.
0: Yeah, and we Which, have we gotten to the bottom of this? Well, stay out of this. No, have we gotten to the what was the uh, was there what was the official word given as to There's why? There's no official word. Oh, really? There's no official Interesting, word. that's funny. So, on Twitter,
1: Nia Jax alluded to being at Survivor Series to quote, "settle the score in defense of the Raw team." <laughs> so, hey, look. Nia, get back in the ring. Let's get back to doing what you do best, which is wrestle. Enough for the other nonsense, I don't know what your problem you is. Do you know why there.
0: she said she's coming back? Do you know why
1: she said she's coming well, back? Well, she's coming back because she misses her, her checks and what have you. That's I'm sure, I'm sure that has something
0: to do with it. Well, but, I think that you know. she might have been leveraged into it. Well, mm, I think right. it's like, I I'm, think, I think I'm, you know, your quote-unquote right friend no. Uh, said uh, no more of this leave of absence. He's Now, this is where he's trying to push back, which is all part of his much larger scheme uh that we were talked about last week. Oh really? Well I don't I don't know about any any
1: of that stuff. All I know is look, Nia Jax, we welcome you back. Get in the ring, do what you do best, Survivor series, everyone will be happy to see you back. And that's really the end of it. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett checks in a rehab. Boy. I'll tell you folks, this has been a whirlwind right here. All right, okay? can you again I don't I've been seeing all these posts
0: and why do I care about Jeff Jarrett? Well,
1: keep in mind, I mean he was a big star and the USWA, and, and, and he was also starring in the WWE, mm-hmm. WCW, mm-hmm. but he, he was the one who created TNA. He and his father. Oh, right. Okay. So, they created TNA, they found some investors who ended up pushing him out. Was one of those the idiot Billy Corgan? No, not yet. Okay, that later then, on. Later then they idiot. brought him back, then pushed him out again, then the whole Billy Corgan thing happened, and et cetera, et cetera. Then he gets brought back again. like At least three times he brought back to his own company. And then he gets pushed out again, saying that, you know, he, his behavior is just unacceptable. Well, now we find out that he got checked into rehab. Well, there you go. So, allegedly, last weekend in Canada, he was passed out, and then he was demanding to work when he woke up, and he was unsafe, basically. Uh, it sounds fairly unsafe. So, they, there's some problems there. And But listen to this, though. The WWE, to their credit uh jeff jarrett's wife karen reached out to them and they assisted in getting him into
0: the facility that is actually impressive because they are a heartless company well, and led by a har- heartless, led by a heartless man well, so the fact that they, they they had a little compassion for this woman they and offer her family that for
1: all wrestlers by the way just so you know they i don't will, know they will they will
0: put you through rehab
1: if you're a wrestler, they'll do
0: it. You know what I'm going to need? And you know what? These wrestlers are going to need rehab from dealing with Vince. What about that? What about well, the, the stress and the PTSD from working with Vince McMahon? Who's covering that rehab? He's a good
1: guy. Yeah. We, you don't good need good In what actually.
0: universe is he a good guy? Stop it.
1: Kurt Angle returns to the ring. Huh. Jeez. Now, here's what's interesting. Karen used to be Kurt Angle's wife, by the way, and now she's Jeff Jarrett's wife.
0: Don't try to okay. figure
1: it out. That's another story altogether. Uh,
0: and, and I but, really don't care. I care yeah. almost
1: as much as about uh, Dancing with the Stars scores. Well, listen, Nikki Bell is doing a good job. But that's right, folks. As a result of the raw roster coming down with illnesses, mm. being injured, mm. or just plan on walking out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Kurt Angle took part in the main event at the TLC pay per view this past Sunday. He teamed up with Dean Ambrose and uh, Seth Rollins. They defeated the Miz, Braun Strowman, the Bar. Kane, everybody—they took on everybody, basically. Uh, but man, I'll tell you what—it was great to see Kurt Angle back in the ring. Isn't he a little fragile? Whoa.
0: Well, should he—is he borderline to not be doing this anymore? Though
1: he's his bump card is pretty full. Yeah, I was. Yeah, so, so here was the other issue, though—he battled addiction, which is what got him pushed out of the WWE mm-hmm. over a decade ago, and he just recently was allowed back in. But the idea was not for him to necessarily wrestle. He has an on-air mm-hmm. commissioner role or something like that. But they had to do this because everyone was sick.
0: The meningitis and all that other nonsense. The quote-unquote yeah. meningitis. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, boy, I'm sure he wanted to do it. Sure, of course but he does. I have a hard time supporting potentially making someone a vegetable i think you you and vince don't care um you know even though you say you love these guys don't you really want them to go out there don't and potentially rude. get hurt and he was uh living his you dreams. know listen his dreams that's fine by him but yeah. you know what uh i'm not going to uh, encourage it and you can do whatever you want because you're heartless i don't want to crush anybody's dreams <laughs> triple h returns to the ring what about my dreams of not having to sit here every week listen we're going to talk you about your, those your favorite
1: triple h Okay? Because not only did he return idiot. to the ring. Another idiot. In S- Santiago, Chile. But he danced with the New Day. He
0: twerked. Oh my God. This is big news everywhere. Everyone this is, covered this. this is, he twerked. This is the what's wrong. You were having a conversation earlier today on social media with somebody about how the WWE is great because they're making so much money. More and money than they've ever more made. More money than ever. 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 Money. You hear that, Connor? Ever. Money. Is not everything. Sure, it is. No, it's not. It's because everything. you know why it's why? not everything. Why? Because of what you just effing read. How <laughs> stupid you just you just told me that Triple H was twerking, he was twerking. and that's supposed to be content. He that's supposed it like to be hot. Get the hell out of here. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, and you say a lot of stupid stuff, and the WWE does a lot of stupid stuff. How about Triple H goes away, and they focus on, I don't know, new wrestlers that are good at the job? How about that? Are Would that be jealous? too hard? You're jealous because you can't twerk like Triple H. I'm not jealous. He's going right. to go to bed next to that wife of his every night, and I wouldn't want to wish that on anybody. Listen. Stop it.
1: You see what i got to put up with this guy here? I, it just, it's unbelievable, folks. The number one story in the world of professional wrestling is under siege
0: the uh the movie no. with uh no. what's his name i'm not talking about steven seagal thank god because that guy's a creep speaking yeah, well, of creeps yeah there's a lot of stories about him wearing kimonos and doing very I bad don't, i don't really understand them i don't even want to understand him. <laughs> i just i'm staying out of that one
1: <laughs> but i'm talking about the smackdown roster invading raw and attacking those that were left because you know people are sick or not there or whatever uh, how many times are you going to say it well because it happened what do you want me to do that was the big deal It's there.
0: part of it. It's all part of it. You're falling no, for it.
1: I'm, I'm you're far, falling fine, for fine. it. Fine, Kayfabe K-Fabe is alive Fine. But this is the build-up to Survivor Series. where We're, we're going to have roster versus roster, both the males and the females. It's pretty awesome. Man. All
0: right. I like Fine. It. I like it. it. But if you're going to do it, do it the right way, so which it, somehow some conflated BS and malarkey is going to come in well, there. and you're not going to like this and part. Exactly. I, how, I like know? This how did part? I know? How did I know? I was I do, getting ahead see, of myself. See?
1: Shane McMahon oh and Kurt Angle who
0: had a great match with each other years ago, where... Shane McMahon this. should never be wrestling, so I don't even believe that, again, BS, but go ahead. Kurt Angle,
1: because he's an Olympic gold medalist, sure. you know, he's really good at doing throws and things of that nature, belly-to-belly suplexes and, and what have you. So he was suplexing Shane McMahon. You're supposed to do it through glass, Okay, sugar glass. But they painted it, All right. so when they painted it, it hardened right so when Angle threw him through the glass the first time didn't break (laughs) dropped (laughs) Shane on his head picked him up did Did it it again again. (laughs) I think it took like two or three attempts before the glass that's actually pretty
0: funny almost killed the guy that's even funnier so it looks like they're gonna relive that basically Will they relive him throwing him through three times? And Possibly. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> why bother? I know. Yeah. Well, Otherwise, going to jump
1: off something again because that's what Vince. Well, again, wants this him is
0: just—he's right, trying to get his own kid killed he's, because no, he's just because he doesn't want to give his company to anybody. No. Unlike, and this, again, it ties into what I was saying. He's putting last his week. kid through do the same thing that everybody else has to go, except through. for him. Well, he—he he, Vince wrestles, man. He's been beat up. He, he's well, paid he should the price. be beat up. He doesn't have to be, though. How about just hire the best people to do the job and go sit in your office and do what you're supposed to do? Maybe Do he, your job and let them do theirs. Maybe don't, he don't wants try to settle get, the
1: score people will give him a hard time. Oh so please. get him in the ring and beat him up. You that's can't it. do
0: that, though. If he wants oh. to be a real businessman, so wait, is he, a, is he a real wrestler and a fake businessman? Is that how it is? Don't be disrespectful. Because that's Stop sort of what it sounded it. Don't like.
1: Don't be disrespectful. All right? You heard what I think. What do you think? (laughs) Do you agree with me? Do you think I'm a jerk? Maybe something in between? An, An idiot. You're the third one tonight. Give me a break. Head over to Facebook. Head over to Twitter. Type in Duke Loves Wrestling and let me know. Up next, former NWA champion, Wildfire Tommy Rich. This
2: is Simply Luxus, and you are listening to Duke Loves Wrestling.
1: Hello? Wildfire. That's yes, Manny. Manny, Manny Fernandez. How are you, brother? I'm fine.
2: Who, who the hell is this?
1: Man, this is Duke from the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Listen, Manny.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm going like Tommy. hands me a phone out of middle of nowhere. It's crazy. Tommy, I don't know what he's giving me. He's probably giving me a hooker or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, it's funny that uh, Tommy's in the rush. He's got to go to toy for Tots. Th- hey! This is Tommy, man. I've got to go do a Toys for Tots. Let Manny do this because he knows everything going on. What are you guys doing? Are you guys hanging out together or what? What are you in the woods? What is going on here? We're over here in Myrtle Beach hanging out. Tommy's going to go do a good thing for the community called Toys for Tots. He's getting us involved with that. Yeah. And I got my thing going on with my uh, non-profit organization called Pain and Laughter for my homeless veterans. Great. I'm going myself and I'm raising money for that through, through Tommy Richards Promotions. And uh, through our uh, Tommy Richard School of Wrestling,
1: you have your own organization where you're working with homeless veterans. That's pretty interesting, there. How long have you been doing that?
2: I've been doing that for the last five years. Wow! I've been doing it. I started the program out in Fresno, uh, California, and uh, some idiot named Lance Cardozo with Luchy Extreme ripped me off, ripped my foundation up for twenty grand, and uh, I got a little set and blew his house up, so they kind of locked me up for it.
1: Oh! <laughs> sh- <what>? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is that all?
2: I, him, I reminded the, the the SWAT team that came after me after I did that that I used to be UDT and I could have blowed them up if I knew they were coming too. Wow. But I didn't tell them.
0: Wow. I thought I was having a long week. I know. This guy's serious guy the business. SWAT team
1: after him. T- now Manny, tell tell me this. Why is it that so many of the young guys, especially uh today, they still talk about how great of a mentor and and, and a person that you are there. What is it about Manny Fernandez that resonates with so many people, even to this day?
2: Well, it's basically because I teach everything that I learned from, you know, when I started with uh, Murdoch and Terry Funk and Dory Funk and Mulligan, Sweet Hanson, Harley Race, a tradition of uh, old-school wrestling out of West Texas State called West Texas Style, Style Style. It just comes from all the guys from West Texas, you know, the Poozer Brodies, the Stan Hansons, And Tolly Blanchard, uh, even Tolly, who's a coward, but, you know, he has our style of wrestling. And, you know, Kelly Koninsky, Barry Windham, Tito Santana. We all learn that one style, and that's basically what I teach, is I teach people how to wrestle. On the marquee, it says wrestling. It doesn't say circus this or you know, how many hoops you can jump through, <laughs> through the elephant's ass. And all that stuff. It doesn't mean squat deadly. I've been wrestling some of the youngest, great, talented guys that WWE is missing out on. Because these kids get in the ring with me. And they're amazed that the, that 65-year-old man can still go like a bat out of hell and get on there and wrestle with him. But, you know, I've been wrestling since I was 10 years old. It's like riding a bike. You mentioned
0: the wwe and duke is going to kill me for bringing this up but i think that vince mcmahon is totally mismanaging the wwe you said that there's talent that's being passed over why do you think they're passing over talent that's good
2: they're going by with the writers seat they, simon got said the best way Indio's an idiot he didn't even know that I was a uh, tag team with dusty rhodes or who dusty rhodes was or stuff i mean that's the kind of people that got there one of the best lines out here you know i take all my worthy students to tryouts one thing i got with vince even though when vince tried to uh, hire me and put horns on my head like a real Rachel Bull, I told him to go fuck himself. And I'm not an idiot. So he, he and I never came back begging for a job. I would never begging for a job. I've, I've asked to train down at Dead I told him, no, thank you. I train the way I train. I don't want to be told how to train people. I train people the way I was trained, the way I was brought up. And if that don't suit you, tough. You
1: had a tag <laughs> team with uh, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Tell us about your time with Dusty and, and, and what your friendship oh. with him meant.
2: Oh, my God. Uh, You know, Dusty Rhodes, if I didn't have Dusty Rhodes, I would have never had a job. I Everywhere, when I was sent out to to Papa territory, like when I left uh, Dusty's wing in Florida, when they knew that I would, you know, I would learn number one because Jack and Jerry Briscoe were there. Hiro Matsuda was there. Gotts was there. Malenko was there. All the toughest shooters in the world that ever started this with Lutez. All the guys that stretched people and show them that wrestling, you may call it fake, but we're not fake. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They'll show you they ain't fake. But that's, they sent me there, and those are the people that educated me.
1: But Dusty protected you.
2: Yeah, Dusty protected. That's why I admire about Dusty. When Dusty came down after all this shooting with these guys for an hour, and they just ripped me apart, and they told Dusty and, and Jared, Jerry Briscoe and Eddie Graham, they go, this kid, they're right about this kid. He's tough. I said, tough. You guys whip my ass for now, and you're seventy something old. You're, you're, you you know, I'm tough." He goes, "Yeah, but you didn't quit." I went. That's one thing I will never fucking do. I will never quit anything. And that's when I met Dustin for the first time, and we hit it off. And he always protected me. He took care of me. He let me go out. He let me go to San Antonio, pop uh, Joe Blanche's territory. I came in, you know, put the ball in the punk territory. Then I went to Harley Race. I owe Harley so much for making me in Florida. I went into Kansas City and popped his territory. And when Dusty would reel me in say, give your notice, kid, I need you, I'd always go back. Everywhere Dusty took the book, he'd just send, say, Manny, give your notice. Dusty needs you. And I gave my notice, and the man protected me. We were together for 30 years. That's right.
1: Years,
0: That's right. Master. You've been talking a lot of shoot talk. Would you say the kids today don't know what it's like to work in that environment, that a shoot today is nothing what it was like when you were, were really working?
2: Oh, God, not even a clue. I was fortunate enough
1: that Luke was still alive. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Evans was tough as nails, brother. <laughs>
2: He he taught me a lot. Lou taught me a lot. Paul Gott taught me a lot. Uh, Jeff Ports, Billy Robinson, uh, uh, Teddy Hodge. I mean, Danny Hodge is still alive, and he's still crushing apples.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> he has the strongest grip in the world, Danny Hodge. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, and he's still alive, so it's amazing that, you know, I'm still alive. I've been shot three times, stabbed eight times, flipped over to, I don't know how many car wrecks me and Barry went about and Fleur. Oh.
1: <laughs> so, Manny, tell us again, what's this event that's coming up with uh, Tommy School and what have you there? Because uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich, I know that uh, you've partnered up with him down there in Myrtle Beach. You guys are doing some great things down there. What's going on?
2: Yeah, we got the big show, the first show for East Coast Wrestling Alliance. We're starting an old wrestling alliance, and we're trying to bring back old school. Tommy Wall, Paul rich you know, one time NWA World Champion. Austin Idol, Ricky Morton will be here, myself. Barbarian, Barbarian my from the old WCW days. Oh,
1: yeah, big tough dude, brother.
2: Yeah, I got a bunch of good young kids that came together with me in a seminar, and they, oh, they love old school. The days when wrestling was fun, when wrestling was looked at as a real deal. That's right. Not always, uh, uh, flip flop five fire circus, that's the late crap.
1: That's right. Now, Manny, <laughs> if, if if any fans or, or any promoters want to get in touch with you, whether to just let you know how much they appreciate you or to book you on something, what's the best way that folks can reach you?
2: Best way to reach me is on Tommy, uh, the Wildfire Promotions, Tommy Rich School of Wrestling. They got a private number there. If you could just Google it up and say, uh, I train. I'm his, uh, uh, trainer at, uh, the school. I train everybody there for him. And, uh, you know, we got a bunch of good kids coming through there, but that's the best way to get a hold of Facebook me or message me on Facebook or just send our message. Our messenger.
1: His name is the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. Manny, we got to have you back on sometime, brother.
2: You too, man. I can tell people, the devil don't like me and God's not ready to get rid of me yet. There it is.
0: There it is. I'm like What a guy. I'm telling you. What a guy. Jeez, that you know, was pure action. And in all that action, he got a little ahead of himself, because, you know, there was like some rough housing going on at the beginning of him and Tommy. Yeah. They forgot to give us the date of the... Uh, yeah, what is the, what is the date the date, <laughs> The date yeah. of the promotion is Saturday, October 28th, which is this upcoming Saturday. Yes. Uh, but Saturday, October 28th, and they're in Myrtle Beach, right?
1: Yeah, that's the ex-gym sports complex. That's right. 568 George Bishop Parkway, Myrtle Beach. Uh, so, folks, you definitely got to check it out. You're going to see all the legends of uh wrestling there. Tommy Wildfire Rich, the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, the Rock and Roll Express, you name it. A lot of your uh, old school guys from the NWA territory and beyond there.
0: You know, uh the Raging Bull is going to send us a nice little thank you for covering his butt there. Because if Tommy found out he forgot to promote, then... Whoa. Well, He's going to be in big trouble. Let me tell you something. Those two man. guys are getting enough trouble together already. That would be a cage match. <laughs> Those two. I'm telling you. Speaking of uh, cage match, I thought it was very interesting. He said a couple of things that he said. Um, and it's funny that you hear it from an old school. It makes sense that it comes out. He said, it's a shoot into a work, mm-hmm. not a work into a shoot. And on the surface, that sounds kind of obvious, but think about it. If the idea is to make... A realistic believable uh, contest between two people so it has to start with a realistic contest between two people absolutely and then you dial it down so that you don't kill anybody you don't start throwing you know pulling your punches like in, a, in an action movie and then try to make it look more realistic it doesn't work and I've seen it a million times again we talk to a lot of people who are just starting in the business we get sent a lot of video clips and a lot of stuff and a lot of times I'm going, oh, and, you know, people are learning. But I think you have to be willing to take the take the hit once in a while. Sure. In order to then learn how to dial it back rather than trying to amp it up and then really hurt yourself.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, the people who really know how to wrestle, yeah. they always say, I can tell what's going to happen by the lockup. Hmm. If you got people who are ginger about doing the collar and elbow lockup, then yep. you know that we're going in the wrong direction. Right. But if
0: you have people who really get at it, right. you can hear that slap. They really get at it with that lockup. Well, it's that body language. It's the contact that actually helps orchestrate Absolutely. the whole interaction. Because then you say, wow, these two people are fighting each other, which is well, the point. Right. Well, here's the, the, the thing. Right. You can't have – I mean, what what does it devolve into, fighting without contact at all? Yeah. Yeah, Right, I mean that's yeah. the if you're going to start the other way, you're never going to. It's not like you get close enough to somebody, and then oh, no, no you're going to have to have contact. That's right. Even if you're, uh, even if it's choreographed. Yep. So I thought that was very, very interesting. ain't Cirque de Soleil, like <laughs> he said, <laughs> he ain't jumping out of an elephant's ass. That's right. That might have to go onto a t-shirt. I'm telling you, I like that. Uh, <laughs> I like that. The other thing he said that I thought was really cool. When uh, well, he was talking about Harley Race. Yeah, he's, he's working territories. He says I went down there and I put the title on him, blah, blah, blah. And he said it in passing. Yep. And I said, you know what's funny? You know, most sports, you talk to athletes, you know, we won the Stanley Cup, we won the... the in wrestling, it, it, because it's preordained, um, no matter who, quote-unquote, wins as part of the show for the audience, both people had to get there together. Absolutely. So whereas one person won the belt the other guy equally put the belt on the other person absolutely cuz that person had to be somebody that's right
1: in order to be in that
0: position to do that well and also no one would be interested in getting the seeing the belt at all yep unless it was a, a good match between two people who are actively there absolutely and i think that's a, a very interesting thing he said and i think it's an interesting way to look at wrestling in in that you know there's always this whole thing of you know real versus not real that's real. That's real. That's the reality of it. Absolutely. That And that's the thing that can be appreciated about it. If you're all hung up on who wins the belt, you're missing the point, which is it's, it's, it's very carefully put together by people who really, really know what they're doing. Damn right. And that is the art right there. That's Damn right. That's the art of it. Damn right. So I think it was very good. I mean, I know... Uh, The Bull was raging tonight. He was raging. He was raging. He was definitely raging. He was raging, but I think uh, on those points especially, even though he didn't take the bait as much as I wanted to do on my uh, Vince McMahon hatred, I did still learn something tonight, which is more than I can say for most times sitting with you. He did point out the
1: fact that he told Vince McMahon to to kiss his (laughs) his backside. I believe he told him to go F himself. Yeah, that too. (laughs) I'm not happy with you that you actually encouraged Uh, him to say that. Boy,
0: here's the thing. Uh, What I would love to have seen... That happened, number one. I'd love to have seen mm-hmm. that interaction Not happen. Mean. And then, apparently later on, he wanted him to go back, and he told him, no way, I'll do my own thing. Screw. Uh, so he gave him the old one-two punch. And again, I, listen, I don't like a bully, which is why I don't like you. No. Okay? I don't like a bully Thanks. like Vince McMahon that is pushing people around, expects no one to stand up for them. And here's this guy, the raging bully, he's doing his own thing. And he's doing well at it. But listen.
1: I'm not going to tell Manny Fernandez, the Raging Bull, anything about what he should and shouldn't do, but I'm going to tell you. Be careful what you say about my friend Vince McMahon. All right. You don't have any friends. Never mind Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon McMahon is my friend, and I don't appreciate the way you talk about him. Just be careful. You need to stop. Okay? I'm serious. You need to stop. You need to Be careful how you talk about my friend. (sighs) Folks, up next, speaking of which, the Boston Bad Boy is going to say a lot of positive things uh, in the next segment about my friend, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yeah, I'll make okay. sure that happens. No, I'm, you're going to do it, because at this point, pal, you're really on thin ice. You know, because at this, at this point, I'm just about ready to tell
0: you to go after yourself. <laughs> well, so you better watch out. Okay. Be careful what you wish for. Listen,
1: this is what I get for uh, putting Manny on the phone with you there. Yeah. That's, the, that's the real problem here. That is literally one of the most talked about episodes, or uh, well, interviews, I should say. Manny Fernandez, he wasn't even supposed to be on the show. That was a Tommy Rich interview that Tommy had to go do something else. So he passed the phone to Manny, and Manny just went crazy. So, <laughs> and, and Manny, I'm still not happy with you about what you said to my good friend, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, okay? Outside, but don't beat me up. I don't want any problems with you. I will stay in the cheap seats eating my popcorn. I will never step inside of the ring. That's right. I had a guy say to me the other day, he was like, you know, Duke, you think you're relevant, but you're not. You're not relevant, Duke. And I and I had to say to them, listen, if I'm not relevant and you're spending all this time talking to me, what does that make you? You know, it's all about the guests, and really, it's all about you, the listeners. It's not about me. Please, I'm just a vessel. I'm just a place that you can go to to get more information about the thing that we love the most, which is pro wrestling. Right? That's it. And it's not me making the 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 news or the controversy or anything like that. It's a platform for the newsmakers to come on and explain themselves. And yeah, I'll give a little bit of analysis and what have you, but make no mistake about it. It's about the wrestlers and it's about you, the listeners. It's not about me. You know, and anyone who thinks it's about me, it's about Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Okay. This is the Vincent Kennedy McMahon show, to be honest with you. All right. This is all about him. Good, the bad, and the ugly. It's about Vince. Speaking of which, Vince, do me a favor, brother. I'm your good friend. I know you listen every week. I need you to make good with my other good friend, Big Vito Lagrasso. Just do the right thing, Vince, please. Come on. Do the right thing. Come on. If you do it, I'll tell you that your facelift li- face looks good. Okay? Come on, Vince. Do it for the Duke. That's right. That's right. So <laughs> without further ado, I just want to remind everybody, please be safe out there. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Wear your mask. Come on, please. Wear your mask. Um, but enjoy yourself. Great holidays there. And uh, next week, I got a special surprise for you. Reed and I are going to be doing something that we've never done before on this show. I've, I've never done this before. I'm going to do a watch along. So I've put together a playlist of some of my favorite wrestling matches. And I even threw in a, a boxing match and an MMA match. Just crazy stuff, right? And Reed and I are going to watch these things and we're going to provide commentary as we're watching and you'll be able to cue it up so you can follow along as we just we're going to have a few beers and we're going to do this thing and it's probably going to be a a complete train wreck but it's going to be a good time so you know definitely tune in next week that'll be my uh end of the year episode to close out 2020 let's do a train wreck to close out 2020 why not damn right damn right okay listen On behalf of the most irrelevant guy in the world, according to some, be kind to yourselves, be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone.
2: Mr. Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.